Those numbers are from the group Open Doors USA. Open Doors USA is a group that monitors persecution of Christians throughout the world. Sad to say there's an awful lot for them to monitor these days. Here's a quote from their website. Every day we receive new reports of Christians who face threats, unjust imprisonment, harassment, beatings, and even loss of family because of their faith in Jesus. And here's where those three numbers come in. Every month in the world, on average, 345 Christians are killed for faith-related reasons. 105 churches and Christian buildings are burned or attacked. 219 Christians are detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, and imprisoned. In our first reading this morning, we heard St. Paul say, It is necessary for us to undergo many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Truer words, my brothers and sisters, were never spoken. St. Paul, of course, knew about this from experience. He dealt with persecution firsthand lots of times. In last week's first reading, for example, we heard about how he and Barnabas were verbally opposed and attacked in the synagogue in Antioch and Pisidia. Now they were eventually booted out of town. In 2 Corinthians 11, Paul talks about other persecutions he had to face in his ministry, how he was scourged five times by the Jews, beaten with rods three times, stoned once, among other things. It's ironic that after being one of the biggest persecutors of, in Christian history, St. Paul became one of the most persecuted Christians in all of history. The kind of persecution St. Paul faced 2,000 years ago is being experienced right now by believers in over 60 countries around the world. That statistic is also according to Open Doors USA. The country, incidentally, is number one on the list of persecutors is none other than North Korea, which I'm sure does not surprise many of you. The prevalence of this kind of persecution really hit home with me the other day when our summer seminarian came for a visit. He came to lunch and to meet the parish staff at the rectory because he'll be working with them for several weeks this summer, beginning at the end of June. His name is Duan, and he's from Vietnam, which of course is a communist country at the present time. Well, Father Najim, during the meal at one point, asked him about the condition of the church in his country and the relationship that Catholic bishops and priests there have with the civil government. Duan said that everything is fine. Well, unless you take a public stance against the government on some issue and criticize its policies, then there are consequences. They might even decide to close your church and confiscate it and the land that it's built on. I read recently that some historians believe that there were more Christian martyrs in the 20th century alone, more people who died because of their faith in Jesus Christ in the 20th century alone than in the previous 19th centuries combined. 
put together. With incidents like the, the attack on three churches in Sri Lanka this past Easter Sunday, it seems that some radical Muslim terrorists and others would like to try to eclipse that mark in the 21st century. It's interesting that the Lord has given us this gospel reading about love paired with this first reading from Acts 14. Jesus tells us in this gospel to love one another as he has loved us. Well, the love that Jesus had and the love that Jesus still has for us is a selfless love, a patient love, a self-sacrificial love, and a forgiving love. I think it's a tremendous witness of faith when Christians forgive their persecutors. Remember the victims of the Charleston, South Carolina church shooting a few years ago? So many of their relatives forgave the killer. That was a great witness. But forgiveness does not, believe, that does not mean that you dispense with justice, that you ignore justice, that you forget about justice. That's an important point to remember. Those of you who are parents of young children know this very well. You forgive your children all the time for the bad things that they do, but you also punish them appropriately. Your forgiveness does not eliminate your justice, nor should it. I'm reading a book right now about Pope John Paul II and Ronald Reagan and how the two of them combined, each doing their own thing in their own way, but they combined and made a team to undermine European communism and bring down the Berlin Wall, etc. Both men, as you know, were shot by, or, and there was an attempted murder on each of them in 1981. Both men forgave their attackers. But Ronald Reagan didn't give John Hinckley a presidential pardon. Hinckley was the man who tried to assassinate him. Nor did John Paul II immediately pressure Italian authorities to release Mehmet, 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 well, whatever that guy's name was, <laughs> Ali Haja from prison. Forgiveness did not eliminate the need for justice. And Reagan and John Paul understood that. So what do we need to do to respond to this situation? What practical steps can we take to address the persecution of Christians in other parts of the world, as well as right here in the United States? Lest we forget, Christians are undergoing persecution here as we speak. Remember the Little Sisters of the Poor? They were persecuted by our government because they wouldn't provide abortion coverage and contraception coverage in their health care plans for their workers. Think of the florists and bakers who've been publicly vilified because they've respectfully declined for religious reasons to provide flowers or to bake a cake for a quote-unquote gay wedding. Think of the Catholic and Christian doctors and nurses and pharmacists who are pressured by their peers and by the government to violate their consciences in their work. Those are just some of the examples of the persecution that's happening right here in our midst. We don't have to go to North Korea to be, be persecuted for our Catholic beliefs. There's plenty of opportunity to do that right here in the good old U.S. of A. So obviously the first thing we need to do as Christians is to pray. We need to pray daily for our brothers and sisters who are suffering for their faith, both here in the United States and around the world. Especially for those who are being asked to give the ultimate witness to Christ through martyrdom. And secondly, 
We need to take it personally. We need to take it personally. We need to make it personal. We need to make freedom of religion an important issue on our personal list of important issues. And we need to try to vote people into public office who also consider this issue important. People, in other words, who will work here in the United States to preserve and protect religious freedom and who will at the same time support policies that promote religious freedom throughout the world. And please remember, freedom of religion is different from freedom of worship, which is what some of our leaders say they support. Freedom of religion is what our Constitution guarantees us, and that's much more than freedom of worship. Freedom of religion means that you can live your public life and private life according to the dictates of your faith. It's not just a private thing. You can live your public life in accord with the dictates of your faith when there's freedom of religion. Freedom of worship means you Christians can pray however you like within the four walls of your church building. But outside in the real world, you'd better think and you'd better act and you'd better live like the rest of us. Or else there will be consequences. Sort of like the situation in Vietnam. It's freedom of religion people need, not just freedom of worship. Let me end this morning with a brief quote from Pope Francis, who addressed this very topic in a homily he gave back in 2014. There our Holy Father said this. He said, There are many martyrs today in the Church, many persecuted Christians. Think of the Middle East, where Christians must flee persecution, where Christians are killed. Even those Christians who are forced away in a quote-unquote elegant way with quote-unquote white gloves, that too is persecution. There are more witnesses, more martyrs in the Church today than there were in the first centuries. So during this Mass, remembering our glorious ancestors, let us think also of our brothers who are persecuted who suffer, and who, with their blood, are nurturing the seed of so many little churches that are born. Let us pray for them and for us.